Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now let's go to this week's message. Well, good morning. We're continuing in our series of Sermon on the Mount. Actually, next week, we bring it to a conclusion. And uh, it's going to be kind of sad. I've been really enjoying this time, and I hope you have too. But <clears throat> I asked Anita to come up with me because we appreciate all the, uh, the love that we felt and respect a few minutes ago as pastors. But here's what you know at the Father's House. The Father's House is not about me or Anita. It's not about one pastor, but it's about all of the pastors together. In fact, you won't find my name or Anita's name on any sign or anything around here because this church is not about us. Because it really doesn't matter who, full, who fills this pulpit. It could be me. It could be Anita. It could be Andrea. It could be Chris. It could be Pastor Tim. By the way, didn't he do a great job last yes. week? If you didn't hear yeah. that, you need to go back. So it doesn't really matter, and when people show up around here, it's just that you're always fed, and that's what's so important, and we just wanted to take some time to say how much that we, that we, 26 years ago when we came here with no financial support, we had no one to, to, uh, to support us, we, had, uh, we met about three people, and we started from there, we liquidated all of our savings and a retirement, everything we had to start this church, and when I looked, I walked just a minute ago around here praying with Travis and I just looked across this, this crowd today, and we had the same amount in the, sec, in the first service. And I'm just overwhelmed at how God brings so many different people. And I'm overwhelmed at how he's brought so many great pastors here with us. Amen. That's the truth. So uh, while I was thinking about it, you know, <clears throat> I'm thankful for the pastors that are on staff. Um, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. So each of the pastors that are on staff have been called into that position. Yeah. I'm thankful that they're on staff with us to help us because we could never do this without an amazing uh, staff of pastors. And um, I've seen the growth. I've seen over the years, I've seen growth in each and every one of them. And we are so honored to serve God alongside of them. Yeah. Um, Pastor Ben who pastored a church in California for years, came to retire here. And in fact, he's back there this morning yeah, trying to help Yeah, helping them out. Church. Somebody came, retired, he and his wife, and, and they came to, to the father's house and said, we're here to help any way we can. So we honor Pastor Ben. Yeah. And then we've got Pastor Tim, who I totally have seen lots of growth in. Uh, Pastor Lo Tim, would you, Pastor and Tim. I'd like for Brenda to stand. Your spouse is with us. And yes. these guys are so great. Such a heart for, for the people. Such a heart for people. And, uh, of course, you mentioned Pastor Ben. Uh, Pastor Anita. Pastor, Anita, Pastor Andrea is Pastor out Andrea. today and enjoying a little vacation One of time. the best worship pastors in the world. I think the Pastor best. Andrea. I think the best. And... And one of the best speakers. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, heart. she's one of the best speakers yeah. that I've ever heard. And so we thank God for her. We thank God for Pastor Tim, Pastor Chris, and Casey. You guys stand. And Youth and kids, love you guys. Thank you. Wow, what what and great Pastor gifts. Simone. What Pastor Simone yeah, and Thurman? Would you stand? Yeah, it's been, it's been a really a wonderful, wonderful thing to be able to work with such people that have such a great heart for God and yeah. for 
the house. Yeah, um, and for, for, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but for hanging in there. You know, last year... I know, I was going to leave, but I thought I better stay. Yeah. Because I'm married <laughs> to you. Last year... <laughs> last year, there were, um, every month, there were 1,500 pastors that resigned and quit. Yeah. Every month. Every month. In a recent survey by Barna, they found that 38% of all pastors, large churches and small, that was a number that they had entertained seriously quitting the ministry. And I, I was just thinking about that. And then I read this other statistic that last year there were 4,000 churches started, but 7,000 closed. We're at, a, we're at a critical place in America of uh, people. And, you know, it used to be that <clears throat> being a pastor was considered, you know, a worthy occupation. Now I think we're close to dog catchers and politicians <laughs> somewhere in that area. And, uh, but I just want to say that we want for all of us to think about somebody in your life, a pastor, who was an encourager to you, somebody who helped you. Why don't you spend some time this week, give them a call, texting them. I, uh, there's a lot of pastors that I text every Sunday morning because a lot of them are from very small churches. And sometimes when I'll send them a word or something, I, I do it individually, and they'll say back to me, <clears throat> you'll never know what that meant because all week long, I don't have anybody encouraging me. And uh, I want us to pray today for, for the pastors around the world. That, I mean, we're so blessed here with you and your love, but there are pastors around the world that are pastoring very small churches, working two jobs to just keep things going, and they don't have anybody to come up and pat them on the back and say, you're doing a great job. And uh, I, I'd like for us to think about those and pray for those and pray for pastors. Um, and so if you'd stand with me, and I'd like for us to just pray for the pastors around the world that God would send. I believe God could send an angel to encourage them. <clears throat> God could send somebody to encourage them today because uh, we, need, we need godly pastors and we need churches that are strong and thriving to change our community. Father, we come to you today and we thank you as this month has been the month to honor pastors. I mean, uh, it seems like every time we turn around, we have a day for something. It's a day for chocolates. It's a day for cats. It's a day for guns. It's a day for something else. But thank you, Lord, that we do have a, a month that's um, to honor pastors. We thank you for our pastors around the world. Thank you, Lord, for the love that's in this house. But Lord, I pray specifically for that pastor that's on the front line no matter where it is around the world, some of the places where they're being persecuted today. And I ask you, Lord, to send somebody along to encourage them. Lord, let a text, a word, let, you could send an angel to encourage them. And Lord, we just lift them up to you right now. And we ask you, Lord, to bless them in your name. Amen. 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 Before we get on with the word, which is an amazing word, I just want to honor you specifically, Pastor Terry, our founding pastor, lead pastor, my husband, my boss, my pastor. Wow, um, that's a lot of responsibility. Yes. <laughs> yes, but I want to say thank you because you listen to what God is saying for this house and you lead us down the path that God has for this house. And so we say thank you. I love you so much. You. <clears throat> yeah, thank God. Well, you may be seated. You know, it's, we, just, we just thank God. You know, I'm, I'm 72, so I'm not always going to be around. But this church is in good hands as God moves forward. God never starts something that he wants to stop. 
Um, and so we just thank God for what he's doing. So the question today, Jennifer, what a question. What a question. What do splinters, logs, pigs, and dogs have in common? Anybody figure that one out? I mean, just think about that. Uh, what do splinters, logs, pigs, and dogs have in common? I know some of you are real smart. You figured that out, you know. But here's, here's what it is. This is the best I know. Here's the best I know. They're all included in Matthew chapter 7 in the sermon we're going to look at today. So we'll see how they all tie together. So I'm not going to tell you how they've tied it together. I'll let you figure that out as we move into Matthew chapter 7. Splinters and logs, pigs and dogs. So Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, if you'll follow along in your Bible or on the Sky Bible. In fact, won't you read the first verse with me out loud? Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. I was going to have you look at your neighbor and say hypocrite, but I won't. <laughs> I thought better about that one. There you go. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be open. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. Or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread? Will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Wow. When you look at that verse, I, I don't know how you feel, but when I first looked at that passage, all fit together. It's, it's part of a continuation. I'm thinking, what does... Logs and splinters and pigs and dogs all have in common because we'd think, well, that would be about three sermons there that you could pull out. So I began to look at that and I felt like that the Lord gave me a revelation of how that all of that fits together. It's not disjointed. It's not pulled apart, but it all fits together. How many of you have a favorite scripture verse in your life. Would you raise your hand? You know you have a favorite scripture verse. You as a believer have a favorite scripture verse. But here's what I also know. There are a lot of non-believers who also have a favorite scripture verse and they don't even believe in Jesus. But do you know what that verse is? Verse one, judge not that you be not judged. You heard it, right? You talk to them about the sin in their life, something wrong, and they say, oh, you know, Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. And so then we're sometimes thrown back because, well, it does, it does say that, but we have to pull that in context of what is he really saying. I submit to you that that verse and this passage is one of the most abused, misunderstood, and misapplied verses that you'll find in the Bible. Many non-Christians and misguided believers use this to denounce anybody who would say anything about the sin that's in their life. 
Don't talk to me about homosexuality. Don't talk to me about adultery. Don't talk to me about gossip or abortion. Uh, because Jesus said, and they don't even believe in him, judge not that you be not judged. So I think we should look into this and see exactly what he's trying to say to us today. So would you pray with me, Father, as we approach this passage just now, we ask you to give us insight, revelation. All of this fits together. It's not three disjointed things, but all of this fits together, Lord, everything in this passage. So give us revelation. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll anoint me because without you, I can do nothing. But I pray you'll help me to say what you want me to say. Don't let me say what I shouldn't say. And give us revelation, even as we look at this ourselves. Things that we haven't even studied or things that I don't even talk about today. You give revelation. And Lord, we pray that you might be glorified, that saints would be edified, and the enemy would be terrified in your name. So three things I want to look at today. Number one, if you're taking notes, and I hope you're taking notes, is do not judge. Say, do not judge. When we talk about judgmentalism, I'm sure all of you have somebody in mind that you wish were here today. You've already thought, I need to call so-and-so and send them to the link to this teaching today. Because we all have people in mind that we think should hear this sermon about do not judge. I mean, after all, I've never met anybody who would say to me, I'm one of the biggest judgmental people you've ever met in your life. Have you ever met anybody who just out and out say that to you? No, they say, I'm not judgmental, but. And then comes the other stuff after the big but, right? That, that always happens. I just have this gift, this, this spiritual gift of, they use the word discernment, but that's not it. I have this spiritual gift of judging. And I'm right the majority of the times. There's a book called Unchristian. Uh, it came out several years ago by David Kinnaman and Gabe Lyons. And they did a survey among a number of young people of what they thought about Christians. And they gave them different words to use to, uh, to classify what they thought about Christians. Listen to this. 87% of those outside of the Christian faith 87% of those outside the Christian faith, young people, perceived that the followers of Jesus were judgmental. Judgmental. They're just judgmental. Now, and I know that we as believers say, yeah, they say that because they don't want their sins pointed out, right? But I wonder if maybe the Holy Spirit might say something to us today about, um, am I judgmental? Are there areas in my life where I am judging other people? I know that there are some Christians that are just cantankerous and negative. And, you know, we're all supposed to be working in the vineyard together. But every once in a while, you run across those people that are self-appointed overseers. And they are like the head inspectors. They're the critics in chief. And they're always able to point out what's wrong in somebody else's life. Now, I know you could point to that person now, but don't point to them because they're in the other service or they're only watching online, right? But you know what I mean? You've met people like that. You've met people like that. Let me give you an example. Maybe you're in a restaurant. You see somebody come into a restaurant. You see a family come into the restaurant. You're sitting there with your, with your, uh, with your husband, your wife, or your family. And you look at them, come in, and you say, 
what are they doing here? What, what are they doing in a restaurant like this? I know their financial situation, and they're always coming to the church and asking for benevolence. No wonder they're in poverty. This, this restaurant's too expensive for them. They shouldn't come to a restaurant like this. Now, why would you say that? Do you know all the information? Or have you just been judgmental about something that you don't know the background? Just maybe, just maybe someone gave them a gift certificate and said, I know you're struggling, and I know your family probably have never been to this restaurant, but we want to give you this gift certificate so you can come to this restaurant. But you're sitting there, and you're judging by what you know, but you don't know the whole situation. Don't judge that you be not judged. Or you say to someone, you know, Jake, I'll pick on Jake, okay? Jake's a bum. He gets up late every morning. I've never seen anybody like that. He gets up late every morning. He's just, he's just a bum. You'll never get ahead like that. But maybe you don't know the whole story. Maybe you don't know that he's working two or three jobs just to keep his family going. And he doesn't get to rest except that time. But do you see what I mean? How easy it is for us. I mean, look, think about this. It's so easy for us to set standards for some other people. I know you can't believe this. This is hard for me to believe. But if I'm lying, I'm dying, okay? We have people literally leave the church through 26 years that the reason they left the church is because that I didn't speak to them. Or I didn't shake their hand. And so we have a person, they'll uh, have been absent from church for a while, and somebody will call and say, uh, we've missed your church. Well, I'm not coming back anymore. Well, why? What was wrong? You know, did a, a brick fall on your toe? What happened? Well, Pastor Terry walked right by me and didn't speak to me. person never comes and says, I've got an offense because you didn't speak to me. I mean, for all you know, I had diarrhea and I was on my way to the bathroom and you wouldn't want me to stop. Now, I know that's stupid and that's funny, but isn't it interesting how we do that? We'll say, that person, that person doesn't like me. Why? Because they sit on that side of the church. If they really liked me, they would come all the way over on the other side of the church and then sit down beside me. They just don't like me. Jesus says, don't judge. The Greek word is krino. Say krino. Now you know a little Greek. There you go. Krino means harsh, self-righteous, censorous judgment, a hypercritical evaluation. You ever met anybody that was hypercritical? They were hypercritical evaluation that they pretend to know the motive of every individual. I read the story this week of an elderly grandpa that came over to uh, his kid's house for lunch on a Sunday. And he's one of those old codgers that just you, nothing pleases him. You know, the soup wasn't hot enough. The coffee was too cold. This was that, and that was wrong. Just complained about everything. So he went in to take a nap, and one of the grandkids said, let's surprise him. Let's get some of that Limburger cheese, you know, that, that stinks so much, and let's put it on his mustache while he's sleeping, and let's see what happens, because he's always complaining about something. So they do that on his mustache and on his beard, and after a while, they hear him wake up in there, and they hear him moving around, and they hear him saying, this room stinks. Why does this room stink so much? 
And then he comes out out of the bedroom into the living room. Well, it stinks in here. Yeah, this, this is the stinkingest house I've ever smelled. And then he walks outside. The whole world stinks. What's wrong with the world? You ever met him like that? Just hypercritical. Everything is negative. Everything is wrong. And they're always judging that. I mean, when they walk in a room, you want to walk out of the room, right? But here's what Jesus says. Don't judge. And he gives us three reasons. First of all, he says, you're not the final judge. God is. God reserves the right to be God. Don't try to be him. Be yourself. If you don't know everything about a situation, then quit trying to judge that situation. Second of all, he says don't judge because judgment will boomerang. It's a boomerang. You know, you ever seen this in, in uh, Australia? Throw the boomerang, it goes out, but what does it do? What does it do? It comes back and hits you right in the head. That's what happened in Esther chapter 7. When Haman built the gallows, remember? To hang Mordecai because he hated Mordecai. But then what happened? He was hanged on the gallows that he built to kill somebody else. So he said, be careful as you judge, because as you judged, you're going to be judged. Are you wondering why people don't like you? Are you wondering why it's hard for you to fit in and you never get invited? Could it be that you have been judgmental of others? And so the scripture says, as you are judgmental to others, you're going to receive the same thing back to you. So in your life, you experience that. And then the third thing he says, he says, don't judge because it's hypocrisy. He said, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't consider the plank in your own eye? In other words, you see a splinter. Excuse me, brother. I see a splinter in your eye. Excuse me. I, I need to help you get that splinter out of your eye. Let me, let me show you what that would look like. Jose, come on, come on stage with you. Would you join me right now? Come on. Yeah, yes, you right there. Jose, that's your name, right? Is that your name? Right, come right over here on this side right here. Give Jose a hand, right? All right, Thurman, you know the drill. All right, so here, here comes Thurman. You can stand right back over here if you would. And uh, I'm going to ask you to hold this plank. Okay. Hold it sort of right there by your right eye. Can you hold right that? Eye? By your, just hold it right there. Hold, you're going to have to use two hands. Now, this is Thurman. And Thurman has got a splinter in his eye. Right there. In fact, in the last service, Jimmy said, I saw a splinter in his eye, and I wanted to try to help him with that. So Jose says, I want to help you get the splinter. But Jose can't get close to him. Because every time he gets close, what happens? He gets hit in the plank. Thurman has to keep dodging. That's what Jesus is saying in this parable. You're trying to get something out of somebody's eye that's like a little splinter. And you got a five foot two before hanging out of your own eye. And you're never going to be able to help them until what? What did the scripture say? S scripture says, yeah, Jose, you got to get that plank out of your own eye and then you can help him. All right, give the boys a hand, would you? All right, give them a hand. He says, first remove the plank out of your own eye. Now, think about this. What is a speck, a splinter, and a plank, a tree limb, have in common? They're the same thing. Just one's big and one's small. They're both wood. So he says, here's what it is. Many believers 
can look at other people's lives and see the same sin or the same struggle that they're struggling with themselves because we can identify with that. And so we're always trying to fix people. We're always trying to judge people. We're always trying to look at people and say, yeah, they need to get that straightened out. Why? Because I got a plank hanging out of my own eye in the same thing. Remember the story of David in the Old Testament? David uh, took the only wife of Uriah the Hittite. Uriah was a, one of his military guys. He was a faithful military warrior with David. And uh, so Uriah had one wife. He was a poor guy. He had one wife. And uh, so David, you know the story, very rich, had many wives. He could have had any wife that he wanted, probably 500,000 wives, whatever, God help him. All right, so see in the midst of all of that. But what he does, instead of having one of his own wives, he takes Uriah's only wife, commits adultery with her, has Uriah killed. Now Nathan the prophet shows up and he says, David, I have a problem that I need your help with. Sure, be happy to help you, Nathan. What is it? Well, David, there's a, in this story, I want to tell you, there's a very rich man that has huge herds and flocks. He's very rich. And there's a poor man that lives close to him, and he only has one lamb, one lamb. And he said, the poor guy loves this lamb. He feeds the lamb table scraps. He, 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 he loves the lamb. He takes care of the lamb. He provides for the lamb. And he said, then the rich man had some out-of-town guests that came in. And he wanted to fix dinner. So he told his servant to go get the poor man's one lamb. Kill that lamb, and they would eat the lamb. He could have had any lamb that he had in his own flock, but he took the poor man's. And David rose up, and he said, kill him. That's what I'm going to tell you to do. You need to kill him. Now, was that the law? No. The law said that if you stole somebody's lamb, you had to restore it fourfold, not kill it. Why was David so adamant that you needed to kill it? Because you see, in his mind, already the Holy Spirit was bringing up and revealing to him the sin that he had in his own life. Isn't it amazing how we can pick out in other people what we're struggling with ourselves in the midst of that? And Jesus says, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge, because David was so familiar with that. And you say, well, yeah, that's not me. Okay, here's an example. Driving down the interstate, whew, somebody flies by 90 miles an hour. You say, Where's a cop when you need one? I can't believe that guy's driving that fast. But when you are in a hurry, you saying, I hope Travis is not around, right? If he has a car. That's an inside joke. Number two, be discerning. Number one, don't judge. Number two, be discerning. In, in this passage, he says, he says, don't give what's holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under feet and turn, tear you into pieces. Well, I look at this and I say, okay, don't judge. And then he's talking about pigs and dogs. What, what, what's that? I mean, it's like, has he, is it a sidetrack? No, here's what he's saying. He's saying, don't judge. Don't be judgmental because you don't know everything. 
but you need to be discerning. In other words, here's sort of what he's saying. Don't judge, but judge. He's saying, don't judge because you don't know everything behind the situation. But when it comes to the truth, you're discerning and you judge. See, so when somebody comes to you and says, well, don't talk to me, you know, judge not that you be not judged. You say, well, I'm not really judging. I'm pointing out what Jesus said in, in his word. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, Jesus says, watch out for hypocrites. In other words, he's saying, you need to watch out. Throughout the New Testament, you'll find Jesus saying, look, if a, brother, if, a, if a Christian brother is doing wrong, you need to go to him privately. And if he won't hear you, then you need to take somebody else. You say, but that takes some judging, discernment. But it's not judging because you don't know all the things. You're judging by the content of the word. So when a non-believer or somebody says, don't tell me about my sin, Jesus said, don't judge. No, because we just back away and say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, you're right, I shouldn't do it. No, Jesus says, no, don't take your pearls. Don't take your pearls. He's not talking like your pet dog. Some of you got dogs and you call them your child. I better not go there. <laughs> Saw a bumper sticker the other day, I love my grand dog. Wasn't as bad as the one said, I love my grand cat. That really was bad. He's, I've already alienated half the audience. He's not talking about your pet poodle. Dogs in Jesus' time were scavengers. Nobody had a pet dog. And you didn't have a pet pig in your house, whatever you. Jesus says, don't take what's precious and costly and rich and just discard it. Throw it at the feet in the mud of a pig. Be discerning. Stand for the truth. And then the third thing he says in this passage, he says this. Number three, depend on God. Depend on God. He says, verse seven, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Notice here we have, do you see this? First of all, he's talking about judging. Don't judge. And then second of all, he says, okay, don't judge, but judge. Be discerning. And now he comes to think about prayer. And sometimes we pull this out of context and we say, yeah, here's a good teaching about prayer. But why? Why does he put ask, seek, and knock? And it's in the imperative, which means it's a command. He's not saying, I suggest to you that you pray. He says, I command you to pray. Thinking about this. Coming after judgment. Don't throw your pearls before swine. And then he says, now I command you to pray. I mean, I, I stopped and looked at that and I thought, well, Jesus, like, are you, are you like psycho? You know, you're here, are you there. And, and then all of a sudden, no, it all fits together. Because you see, when I see the thing about don't judge and the thing about be discerning, then I look at that, even like we look at all the Sermon on the Mount, like how do you become salt and light? How do we live as a, 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 as a, a, a searching for that hidden treasure like Tim talked about last week? How can we do these things in the Sermon on the Mount? We can't in our own. It takes prayer. It takes prayer. So Jesus is not just throwing something in there. He's saying, look, the only way that you're going to live the Sermon on the Mount is prayer. And then we come to the summary in verse 12. Verse 12 is the pinnacle of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we've been looking at this for weeks, 
But look at verse 12. This is the, this is the summary statement. This is the pinnacle. Like, you know, when we teach, we, uh, you know, we try as, as preachers, we try to leave like our, bas- our last point as one of the best points because then people are going to take a next step. So next week, we're going to look at the next steps that Jesus is, is suggested. But this is the pinnacle. Verse 12 is the pinnacle. Read it with me. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill the law. No one else had ever been able to fulfill all the prophets in the law except Jesus. So Jesus says, and, and we see this on plaques and cards and what's it called? The golden rule. Do unto others what you have them to do unto you. Jesus said, whatever you want men to do to you, do for them. This is, he said, this, sum, this summarizes the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to be loved, then be caring and loving to people. If you don't want people to be negative to you, then don't be negative to them. So, so it's just that you teach, treat, treat people how you want to be treated. I know somewhere in this teaching today as a believer, the Lord has touched you. I know he touched me. I thought, man, you know, I'm surely not a judgmental person, but boy, when I looked through some of this teaching, I thought, yeah, I guess there's a little bit of this in in me and I need to deal with. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that whatever that the Lord has brought up to you, that you'll be able to take care of that today. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, this is a This is a really interesting passage of Scripture that in the casual reading, we would just say, well, these are three different topics. But all pulled together, Lord. You show us the very pinnacle of the Sermon on the Mount in verse 12. So to do that, we've got to not judge. But we do need to be discerning, not throw away what is holy into the mud to be disused. Lord, the only way we can do it is through prayer. And so today, Lord, in the areas of our life that you have revealed to us that we need to deal with this passage, help us. Would you continue to pray for yourself and listen to what the Holy Spirit would say to you? But let me talk to those of you that might be here today or those of you that are watching online that you've never invited Jesus into your heart and into your life. Or years ago, you had Jesus in your life, but you've grown cold and you feel like you need to rededicate your life to him. He's here today. He's speaking to your heart. I'm, I'm not the one speaking to your heart right now. He's speaking to your heart. He's saying to you what you've been saying to yourself. I really, uh, I really can't go on like this. I need some help that's beyond me. God knew there'd be a time that you would sit in a service and sense that. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and my sins. And he rose on the third day that as many as called upon him could be saved. Boy, that's a great word, saved. Saved. Maybe you feel lost today. Say, I just just don't know how to navigate where I am. I I don't know how to move to the next place. That's the Holy Spirit letting you sense that. Because you need Jesus to save you from being lost. 
And if you're here today or you're watching online, and today's the day you would like to rededicate your life to the Lord. Or you'd say simply today, Terry, I, I know I'm lost. And I need to be found. I want Jesus to find me. I want my life to be changed. I want to live my life for purpose and meaning. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you're sitting and make eye contact with me and say, please include me in this prayer. Please include me in this prayer today. I want to know without a shadow of a doubt. Thank you, sir. Without a shadow of a doubt that I know the Lord. Others today, just lift your hand right where you are. Those of you that are watching online, do the same thing. Yeah, that's me. I want to do that today. I, 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 I just know that Jesus is speaking to me. And I, I want him to come into my life. Let me lead you in a prayer. We've all prayed a prayer like this from one time to another. And it should never be a prayer prayed alone. Those of you that are watching online, that today is the day that you're making a decision. Or those in the service here that raised their hand or you wanted to raise your hand. Let me lead you in a prayer. I can give you the words, but you have to surrender the heart. Pray this prayer with me. Father God, thank you for your son, Jesus, who died for my sins. I know I'm lost, and I need you to find me. And the scripture said that if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, I can be saved. Thank you, Lord. Fill me with your spirit as best as I know how. I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to help you continue that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com forward slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and make disciples.